You are the people in history they warned us about! Pay attention! <laughs> Get ready, it's time for the Other American View podcast, your audience participation podcast. We're going to go over the headline news, focus on trending stories, add a little commentary, maybe some quick-witted humor, and of course, politics. We're going to cover your crazy government, and we're going to go into everyone's favorite, sports. You'll hear the rants, the views, so get ready, buckle up, and let's go for a ride. According to Blaze News, Matt Taibbi drops new installment of the Twitter files that exposes FBI communication with the social media platform. Wonderful. So in a new report exposing the activity at Twitter prior to Elon Musk's acquisition of the platform, Taibbi discussed the FBI's communications with the social media company. Twitter's contact with the FBI was constant and pervasive, as if it were a subsidiary, Taibbi tweeted. Between January 2020 and November 2020, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and former Twitter Trust and Safety Chief Yoel Roth. He added, some are mundane like San Francisco agent Elvis Chan wishing Roth a happy new year along with a reminder to attend our quarterly call next week. Others are requests for information into Twitter users related to active investigations, Taibbi wrote. But surprisingly, a high number are requests by the FBI for Twitter to take action on election misinformation even invoking joke tweets from low follower accounts. Taibbi posted screenshots of emails in which the FBI flagged certain accounts for Twitter, suggesting that the accounts may have run afoul of the company's terms of service. One such email read, Hello, Twitter contacts. FBI San Francisco is notifying you of the below account activities, which may potentially constitute violations of Twitter terms of service for any action or inaction deemed appropriate within Twitter policy. The message flagged two Twitter accounts, apparently for tweeting jokes. One of the accounts at Claire Foster PhD had satirically claimed to be a ballot counter, tweeting comments like, if you're not wearing a mask, I'm not counting your vote. And for every negative comment on this post, I'm adding another vote for the Democrat. The other account had tweeted, Americans vote today. Democrats, you vote Wednesday the 9th. Taibbi noted that while Claire Foster's PhD account was not suspended, the other account was. There you go. So this stuff is just going to continue to be leaked out over and over again. And there's probably some even bigger bombshells. They're just holding off. They're going to drag this shit out for months, which is good. They're going to take it into probably further into March and they'll have everything timed and released. And finally, they'll do some type of freaking investigation. But again, what's going to happen? Will it be another slap on the wrist? Will it be nothing? Are they going to go through all this process, utilize all these tax dollars for these hearings and meetings, investigations, everything under the son only to say see we told you so and then like do nothing about it they need to prosecute people if they can put them in jail strip them of pensions you name it everything that's what they got to do otherwise it's a waste of time but that's what washington is a complete waste of time that's why we need to vote everybody out one term only regardless of what they do vote them out people either party either side and then maybe you'll see some change in washington but until you do that for numerous terms over numerous years you're not going to see any change.
Thank you for listening to the Other American View podcast. The Other American View podcast is part of the Other American View media. Please go to your search engine and key in the Other American View media and YouTube, and you will find the Other American View media YouTube channel. On our channel, you're going to see numerous independent creators that are part of our media network. The Other American View media is constantly expanding. Please subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the channel will help us grow and afford us the opportunity for media sponsorship and advertisements, which will help us be able to expand our platform even larger than what it is now. This will enable our viewers and listeners greater options and opportunities for creators to have an independent platform that's not big media controlled and have the freedom to express themselves. So again, go to YouTube, The Other American View media, click subscribe, and continue to monitor and watch our content. So we have this other scumbag in the news. New York Post, judge leans towards Andrew Cuomo's claim that New York should fund defense in harass case. So the Manhattan judge appeared to side with Andrew Cuomo in the disgraced ex-governor's bid to have New York taxpayers fund his legal defense in a lawsuit accusing him of sexually harassing a female state trooper. During over two hours of oral arguments, lawyers for Cuomo and for state attorney general Letitia James' office argued over whether Cuomo was acting within his duty as governor when the alleged harassment occurred, which would entitle him to free defense. Conduct that underlies a sexual harassment claim is conduct that is based on personal motivations and does not serve the employer. Attorney General Lawyer Andrew Ammer said, arguing that Cuomo was not acting as governor at the time. But Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Shlomo Hagler countered, I have seen in cases of touching and hugging and unfortunate comments and jokes, there has been a legal defense in 99% of those cases. It's very rare there should be a denial in sexual harassment case. Hagler said, it's far and few between. The former three-term Democrat filed suit in August against James' office, arguing that he is entitled to state-funded defense in the Trooper Brooklyn federal lawsuit, alleging he made suggestive comments and inappropriately touched her. If Cuomo can prove he was acting within the scope of his job as governor when the allegations happened, then he would be entitled to to a free legal defense funded by the New York taxpayers. Earlier in the hearing, the ex-governor's lawyer, Teresa Terzacoma, argued that every interaction that the accuser, who is referred to as Trooper 1 in the AG's report on the office's sexual misconduct probe in Cuomo, occurred while she was protecting Governor Cuomo. Except when he was sleeping, there was literally not a moment when the governor was not acting as the governor, Terzacoma said during the hearing held over video. Hagler said he will rule in the case on a later date, asking lawyers on both sides to provide further arguments in court papers in late January. See, this is bullshit. And the reason it's bullshit, okay, that's fine. If he's entitled to legal representation during the course of performing his job for the taxpayers to pay for it, well then I say that's fine, except if you are found guilty, you need to fund the taxpayers back all the costs to help litigate for 
for your defense that you lost. That's only fair. You didn't perform your job. You were performing your job erroneously and unprofessionally, and you should be liable for your actions, plain and simple. It's like if somebody was working at a company and was stealing products, stealing money, guess what? They're going to be charged to have to pay back, right? So why can't the same be taken for someone who acts in such a harassing and violating way to pay for the cost that we should not have to pay for somebody who was a harasser who was found guilty? Plain and simple. According to Benzinga, Elon Musk says new Twitter files show Trump was deplatformed under pressure from activist employees. Twitter owner and CEO Elon Musk said pressure from hundreds of activist employees led to the deplatforming of former President Trump when he was in office. No shit. It says after yet another tranche or tranche, T-R-A-N-C-H-E, however you pronounce that, forgive me for not knowing, of Twitter files was released. Musk said that the employees themselves acknowledge that Trump didn't violate the rules. Journalist Barry Weiss, in a Twitter thread, recollected events that took place two days after the January 6th Capitol riots, which led to Trump's ouster from the social platform. Twitter for years had resisted calls internally and externally to ban Trump on the grounds that posts from the world leaders were important for public debate, Weiss said. So Weiss brought up Trump's last two tweets before he got banned from the platform, one about the number of American patriots who voted for him, and the other about his decision not to attend President Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20, 2021. Although these posts had not violated any terms, Twitter faced pressure from within and outside after the January 6th insurrection to ban Trump, Weiss said. He added that despite some internal dissent, voices that called for Trump's ban were louder than those that advocated keeping him on the platform. There was a lot of employee advocacies happening, said Weiss, quoting a Twitter employee. Hmm, there you go. So former CEO Jack Dorsey and Twitter General Counsel Vijaya Gad held meeting on January 8th to answer questions on why Trump wasn't banned, but made some employees angrier, according to Twitter files. Musk restored Trump's account after he took over the company, but the former president has chosen not to use the platform so far. There you go. It's all a scandal, but the bottom line with it is the private business can do whatever it wants. The issue is what exactly did your federal government do behind the scenes on trying to get stories suppressed, censored, coerced them not to do it, flat out told them it's disinformation and they shouldn't do it, ordered them not to do it. That's where the problem lies. But we're going to see what happens. So we know this headline is not going to go over well in Washington with Democrats. It's on Reuters. It says El Paso mayor declares state of emergency over influx of migrants from Mexico border. So the mayor of Texas border city El Paso declared a state of emergency citing the hundreds of migrants sleeping on the streets in cold temperatures and thousands being apprehended every day. So Mayor Oscar Leeser, a Democrat, said the emergency declaration would give the city authorities the resources and ability to shelter migrants who have crossed the Mexican border. We want to make sure people are treated with dignity. We want to make everyone safe, Lisa told reporters. Well, there you go. Well, we'll see what happens. Federal government will go over there and say to them to retract the statement and we'll throw you some money. Something's going to give. It's a joke. Biden's a fucking joke. This whole border thing's a joke. How could you avoid something for over two years now? It comes up all the time and every day and he's done absolutely nothing. It's a disgrace.
According to the Associated Press, anti-LGBTQ hate thrives online, spurs fears of more violence. So in the days after the gunman killed five people in a gay nightclub in Colorado, much of social media lit up with the now familiar expression of grief, mourning, and disbelief. But on some online message boards and platforms, the tone was celebratory. I love waking up to great news, wrote one user on Gab, a platform popular with far-right groups. Other users on the site called for more violence. The hate isn't limited to fringe sites. Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook researchers and LGBTQ advocates have tracked an increase in hate speech and threats of violence directed at LGBTQ people, groups, and events, with much of it directed at transgender people. The content comes from conservative lawmakers in several states, introduced dozens of anti-LGBTQ measures, and amid a wave of threats targeting LGBTQ groups, as well as hospitals, healthcare workers, libraries, and private businesses that support them. I don't think people understand the state of danger we're living in right now, said Jay Brown, senior vice president of Human Rights Campaign and Transgender Man. A lot of that is happening online, and online threats are turning into threats of real violence offline. Well, here's the situation that people may be upset about, is the fact that you fought for how many years? Who knows? Decades? For equality? Acceptance? some recognition, okay? But I think people probably feel it's gone too far. Now, what is too far? First of all, you have a right to do whatever you want. It's a free country, okay? But you might bear some repercussions of your actions, although warranted or not warranted. Don't know. But we can tell you most likely if the people are honest, they really don't give a shit about your lifestyle or anything as long as you're a law-abiding citizen. But the problems that are coming out now is the fact that you're sitting there calling yourself a community, you create a flag, you go and you gain political offices all over the place, you're spreading your community, okay, you're taking over the media, you're taking over everything, and you're basic, which is fine. You have every right to go and try to get these jobs and get into these positions, but when you're delivering a message that is just a tiny, tiny fraction of the population and separating yourself out, when you're you're sitting there wanting all kinds of inclusion and acceptance into society, which most people do. The majority does, will, and they don't give a shit. But the bottom line is when you continue to get stuff rammed down your throat every single day, and if like a white male waves a flag about a white um, community, guess what? That's not accepted, but you're supposed to accept anybody else that does their own little communities. So you're creating your own separatism, but the other problem is, is now you want to sit there and teach a lifestyle primarily of adult LGBT community into the educational system of children that didn't even hit puberty. That's ridiculous. And that's why it's just gone way too far. It's basically rammed down your throats for everything in sight, flag the community. And again, it's a small percentage of the population, tiny, fractional on a United States and global scale. It's not to denounce them, but the problem is, is they're creating that separatism themselves. So if you're going to create this exclusion and this quote-unquote superiority and want acceptance, now you're going into a power position and people are feeling threatened because you're going in and you're teaching kids, okay? You've, you've integrated into the school system, you've integrated into politics, and you've integrated into media. So when you're blasting that message down everyone's throat, then you're starting to make people feel threatened. Time for sports headlines. <laughs> 
So according to Bro Bible, Julian Edelman reveals he has been contacted by multiple NFL teams about a return. So Julian Edelman hasn't set foot on an NFL field since early in the 2020 season. The last time fans saw him, he was still occupying the slot for the New England Patriots and even posted a 179-yard game in his final season. But injuries led him heading for retirement. Since his retirement, there have been times fans thought he might come out of retirement and team up with Tom Brady in Tampa. That call never came, but according to Edelman, he's gotten call from elsewhere in the league. In fact, he told 98.5, the sports hub, that he's been called by three different teams about making a return to the NFL this year. Says there's been some calls and I've turned them down. He adds the situation would have to be in New England with a New England team that's a contender. It looks like we can safely assume that Edelman won't be returning to the NFL this year because most wouldn't consider the Patriots to be a contender right now. Patriots currently hold a 7-6 and six record, which puts them right on the edge of the playoff picture. At 36 years old, he doesn't have long to wait for the Patriots, so it seems likely that we've seen the last of Julian Edelman in the league, but it appears that isn't because of lack of interest. Got nothing to prove, just stay out of the league. You're 36 years old, so all you need is to get your head smashed in and have a concussion at that age. Forget it. According to all Lakers, possible trade target Kyrie Irving had massive respect for ex-teammate LeBron James. A Brooklyn Nets point guard has been rumored as a potential trade candidate. The Brooklyn Nets ex-all-star point guard Kyrie Irving still has plenty of game left on the court, but his behavior off of it has been so erratic and teams outright bizarre that he become something of a toxic acid across the league. A lengthy injury history hasn't exactly helped the 30-year-old's case either. Still per Jovan Buhov, the Atlantic, if I'm pronouncing that right, rumblings continue that your LA Lakers might be targeting a Hollywood reunion between Irving and former Cleveland Cavaliers compatriot LeBron James. That dynamic duo won a very memorable title together in 2016 and all told led the club to three consecutive NBA Finals appearances from 2015 to 2017. Hmm. So in the summer of 2017, Irving demanded a trade away from the franchise and was moved to the Celtics with a new supporting cast. James and Kevin Love went back to the finals in 2018 anyway. It'd be a big waste. They're just grasping at straws. Why the hell do you want anything to do with Kymie Irving? Meaning me. Kai, me. All about me. It's a joke. Why do they keep going with these retreads? Malcontents. LeBron's done. Irving's a complete waste. They, They just got nothing to do. They can't get other talent in this league. According to Bola VIP, never heard of it. NFL News, Odell Beckham Jr. will sign with Super Bowl contendants this week. Seems like Odell Beckham Jr. would sit out for the rest of 2022 season, but he didn't stop his search for a new landing spot. Now the wide receiver is set to sign this week with a Super Bowl contendant and will surely increase their odds of getting to the title this year. Drama has surrounded Beckham lately. He's coming back from ACL and he received the medical clearance to play, but it was reported that there was no interest by any team to sign him. But now things have completely changed with the playoffs near. Super Bowl contendant is set to sign him this week. Will OBJ be a key piece they were missing in order to fight for the title? So it says after working on his rehab, he received the medical clearance to play, and it seems like he'll be doing it in Texas to play for the Cowboys. Well, we'll see. It says here, Odell's going to join us, Jones told USA Today Sports. There's a good chance he will. With the 
complete goal of getting ready for a playoff game or two, and then I'll look to the future, but most of it being about now. Well, we'll see what they're going to do. I mean, do they really want to bring this guy in with a couple games left? Don't know. Is he really that worth it? He's just a total locker room distraction. All the press will be there, and that's what they need. More drama in Dallas. No continuity. What a mess, Jerry Jones. That's going to do it for the end of our show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Please go to the Other American View Media on YouTube and subscribe. You will find independent creators providing information on personal finance, cooking, legal, home and car buying, health, how to DIY, special shows such as the Subjective Objective Product Review, and more to come. Also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Rumble, and Getter.